Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, I'm excited about the guest we're going to have today. Um, we met her and at South Carolina when we were doing a presentation there, and we were so impressed by her energy and what she's done. And uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, it's wonderful to see people that are in a pregnancy loss field that uh, are there and ha- have a, um, I don't want to say a jolly spirit. I want to say an upbeat, positive, hopeful spirit. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful, Mom. And like you said, um, our guest today is going to talk about recurrent pregnancy loss, and it's something that I don't think is given enough attention in society, although there's so many women out there that have had pregnancy loss. So um, we are going to talk today with Tanika Dillard. Tanika is passionate about breaking the silence of pregnancy loss. She is the best-selling author of Building a Family Breaks My Heart, and she has experienced three miscarriages and the stillbirth of her beloved son. She is a birth and bereavement doula and facilitator of Share Upstate Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Group in South Carolina. Welcome to the show, Tanika. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's great to have you on and uh, see you again. Or hear you. I guess we can't see you, but I feel like it. (laughs) I love your book. It's beautiful. Building a Family Breaks My Heart, uh, the cover and everything. And it's such a sweet story. Oh, my goodness. Telling Thank your whole story and about your family, it's, it's just so sweet. I was blown away starting with your grandmother who actually lost a baby to a sna- um, snake bite, right? I know. Wow. Absolutely. Wow, Absolutely. that's amazing. He was less than a year old, actually a couple of months old, and she found him in his uh, crib one day um, dead from the snake bite. Wow. That is unbelievable. That's horrible. Yes. It was like a rattlesnake or something? Yes, it was a rattlesnake. And and it was, where were they living? In the south somewhere? Yes, in the rural south. Wow, that's unbelievable. But I love the way your family, you know, came together and has come together. And uh, it's, uh, I don't think we have enough of that nowadays. But tell us about your miscarriages and, and stillbirth. Well, my husband and I have had, you know, perfect pregnancies. We always thought, we always knew that we wanted a family. And a year after our marriage, we wasted no time starting a family. Um, Our first pregnancy was perfect, absolutely flawless until 16 weeks. I was at work in the office one day and I stood up to go to the restroom and my water broke. Mm. And I had no idea what happened because I felt fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But results later showed that it was indeed my water that broke and there was no rhyme or reason why. My doctor just said, sometimes it happens and we don't understand why. So they monitored me for my second pregnancy, and everything was perfect, absolutely flawless, until 17 weeks, and my water broke again. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until that second second trimester loss that I was diagnosed with an incompetent cervix. Um, so with our third pregnancy, I had an abdominal, a vaginal circlage, excuse me, placed at 12 weeks and was followed very closely by my high-risk maternal fetal medicine doctor, and he assured me, you know, this surclage is going to hold, and it worked for an additional seven weeks, and then at 19 weeks, my water broke again. And Mm -hmm. our daughter, Madison, was born um, a few days after my husband's birthday, and she is our first child that actually was born alive. Mm -hmm. She lived for nine hours. 
uh, before mm-hmm. she joined her sisters, uh, Brianna and Destiny, in heaven. Uh-huh. So after wow. after that period, we had um, we went to Chicago to the University of Chicago with Dr. Arthur Haney for an abdominal cerclage, and that is what sealed the deal for us to have a family. That abdominal cerclage held my cervix, and we had a beautiful son, Ethan, who's now five. Um, and a year after that, we were pregnant again with our son, Israel Grayson. Everything was perfect with him until my last visit to my maternal fetal medicine doctor. There was no heartbeat, and this after the C-section, we found that Grayson had the cord around his neck, and so he was still born at 38 weeks. And then following that, we had another son, our sixth child, um, Evan, and he was born in 2013. So we have two children. Wow. Two living oh, my goodness. No wonder you – it breaks my heart. Colleen, your book, Building a Family, breaks my heart. How can you be – you're such a positive, fabulous person. How, how have you done this? It is taking a lot of work, a lot of tears, and a lot of prayers. Um, I was determined after, you know, having recurrent heartbreak, I didn't want that to be the end of my story. Mm-hmm. I didn't want people to look at me and just feel sympathy and compassion. I wanted to rise above that emotional rubble that I felt like I was under and to really help other people who were experiencing the same thing that I experienced. So I decided, you know, just to break the silence and to share, you know, what life was really like after loss, which is how building a family cape breaks my heart came to be. And in doing so, in breaking that silence and sharing our story, I'm absolutely amazed at how many women have, you know, approached me from all around the world through email or through a blog site um, or just locally to reach out to me to say, I understand exactly how you feel, and I didn't know it was okay to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that broke my heart, knowing that there are women that have this pain and they have held space in their heart for a child that they can't talk about. So this book for me was one, to get the story out, but also to open the doors and unlock those that were hiding in shame and silence after pregnancy loss to give them a voice as well. And so in, in doing that, I had no choice but to be happy and upbeat and not be a victim. Did you think, Tanika, that you got enough support after your three miscarriages? Initially, no. Definitely not, because no one really talked about it. It was kind of something that you were supposed to just get over. Mm-hmm. And people thought because we got pregnant so soon after loss that we had moved on emotionally mm-hmm. and we had not. You know, even with each pregnancy, I was still very fearful and nervous. But people thought that because you're pregnant and happy again, we you really don't need support. And I, I honestly did, and so did my husband. And it wasn't until we started telling people, no, we're not okay, we started giving a voice to our emotions, then people really took pause to realize maybe we need to reevaluate how we approach and how we support those that grieve. I love that you were able to tell people, look, I'm not okay. This is, And you kind of were teaching in a way people and helping people learn how to be good grief support by being honest with what was going on for you. Absolutely. We felt the need to do that because we honestly felt frustrated Mm -hmm. after hearing the cliches after every loss. It happened for a reason. 
um, God needed another flower in his garden, or you're young, you can try again. Yep. Those were said to be helpful to us, but they were they were hurtful because although we were young and we could try again, there were no guarantees. Well, well and the now, thing is, any you know, I, I've had two miscarriages myself, and anything that starts with at least is dangerous. At least you're still, at least you're young. At least you have a child. At least you yeah. know whatever. You know, it, it's not. It's like you said, it minimizes our loss. Absolutely. I wanted Absolutely. to ask you how you're, you know, it's interesting to me you talk about your husband and you together. I, How did you do it together? How, how did your husband, what kind of support did he get? You know, sometimes men uh, just kind of let women take the lead on this thing if there's a miscarriage. I'm, I'm interested in how he moved with you on this. We definitely moved at, diff, at a different pace. Um you know, I saw that he was grieving, but his grief looked totally different from mine. And I recognized that, and I allowed him his space to grieve, but I also took on the role to be a support for him. And I just didn't want him to be a supportive husband. I wanted to make sure that he was acknowledged as a grieving father. So we both also took on the role of teaching in that regard because people would, you know, call us and they would ask him how I was doing, Mm -hmm. but they would never ask him how he was doing. So he would redirect and say, you know, Tanika's doing okay. These are the things that she's experiencing, but I'm having a hard time also. And he was honest enough to admit that. That's great. Um, The community at large, our our church family, our, our immediate family, they did not actually see him as a grieving father until our third loss. Well, I was going to ask you, what about with your with your the stillbirth of your son? Did you feel like you were more acknowledged and recognized as having lost a child after that? Yes, the support was definitely different because, of course, I was further along in pregnancy, right. and people felt like the older the child is, the more valid the loss is. Mm-hmm. We had a funeral service for Grayson, so people felt like um, that loss was more valid as. With our daughters, we had a cremation done, so there was not a mass of people surrounding us. Mm-hmm. But, yes, we definitely received more support and validation after the full-term stillbirth than with our second trimester losses of our daughters. Yeah, and you, you said you had three girls that died with the miscarriages, right? Yes. And then the stillbirth of your son. Destiny, Brianna, and Madison. And do people, for some reason now, it sounds like people now feel like, okay, well, you have two boys— so everything is fine. Do, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear that often. I hear it often that, um, you know, you should be so happy that you have these precious boys. And I am. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely grateful for them. But there's still such a hole in my heart because I've always wanted daughters. And as perfect as they are, mm-hmm. they do not replace the lives of their sisters. Well, that's what I always say. You know what? As, as wonderful as my children are, they don't replace the two miscarriages I had. And um, it's interesting how our lives turn out because after my second miscarriage and years of infertility, I ended up going to China and getting my daughter and adopting her. So, you know, sometimes life works out in, in different ways than we had planned, basically. Yes. Now, I wanted to talk to you about your music because you've made this uh, wonderful uh, lullaby, um, I'm Dreaming, and we wanted to play a little bit of it today. And I wanted you to tell us, have you always been a musical person? 
I have. I have loved music all my life, and it started at an early age listening to my grandmother sing hymns, you know, when she kept me in, before preschool started. So I've always loved music, and it's my go-to outlet for a stress reliever. And tell us about um, why you wrote I Am Dreaming and when you wrote it, and, and tell us what the words mean, and give us a, a few of the words. Okay. I Am Dreaming was written um, about two months after our last son, Evan was born, and one Saturday afternoon as I rocked him to sleep, I glanced up onto our mantle and there were pictures of Israel Grace and his brother who had passed a year prior. There were the remains of his sister Madison on the mantle and just keepsakes of all of our daughters. And as I held Evan in my arms rocking him to sleep, I almost he, he really looked like his brother in that moment. He looked like his brother, Israel Grayson. And I just closed my eyes and imagined if I really held Israel Grayson, what could I say? You know, what is it that I could offer him in such a moment that felt like I was holding heaven and earth at the same time? And whenever my heart is overwhelmed with happiness or with stress, a song usually emerges. And so as I held Evan in my arms, I closed my eyes, and I began to dream if I could only hold Israel Grayson again for a moment. And the words say it's more than a memory box. It's more than the cremains on the mantle. It's more than a distant memory. I am just dreaming of holding you. I'm dreaming of loving you and dreaming of what my life would be with you. So that beautiful melody is sacred to me because I can think of that song and I can hold my past and my present at the same time. Mm, I love, I love that. that. Well, let's uh, listen to I Am Dreaming, a little clip from it. I am dreaming. beautiful that is gorgeous thank you thank you so and much. i want to make sure before we move on to talk a little bit about share that people know that they can it's available on itunes and amazon and ed baby is that what it's called cd baby oh cd baby. baby okay you can get that uh, i am dreaming it's a, a digital single available so i it is absolutely gorgeous well thank you um, tell us a little bit about Share because I think Share helped you, right? And you're helping people through Share now. Absolutely, Share Upstate is our local chapter 
um, we are a part of the National SHARE organization, and SHARE is designed to offer help and hope and support to those who grieve a pregnancy loss. And in um, 2007, I believe it was, we founded the first chapter here in South Carolina. It's a support group that meets monthly, and we just support those that grieve a pregnancy loss, and there's no time limit. You know, we have people that um, have had a loss over five years ago, and they're coming to their first meeting, or people that had a loss a month ago, and they're coming to a meeting. Um, the great thing about Share Upstate is being connected to this national organization, we have a wealth of resources and people who can help walk alongside us to support those people here locally that need our help. So if anyone needs support and you're not in a position or you're not in an area where there is support available through a local support group, you can always go to www.nationalshare.org uh, to find the closest support in your area or just to keep abreast with the information through online resources. Great. That's fantastic. And you've got your own website, right? Yes, I do have my own website. It's www.tanikadillard.com, www.tanikadillard.com. And how can people get this book? It's such a sweet, dear book. Building a Family Breaks My Heart is available on Amazon, and you can just go there and type in my name, Tanika Dillard, or type in the title, Building a Family Breaks My Heart. It's available in paperback and in um, ebook format. And Tanika, what advice quickly would you have um, to someone out there that's just suffered a miscarriage or a stillbirth? I would invite those who have suffered a miscarriage or a stillbirth to not be silent. There are one in four pregnancies end in loss, so there's I could almost guarantee that there's someone around you who can understand and connect with your pain, connect with them, open your mouth, break the silence, and get help and support. Um, don't suffer in shame and in silence, but there are people, there are communities that are willing and able um, to support you and offer the hope and encouragement that you need to journey forward in a healthy manner. Wow, that's great. Thank well, Tanika, I am... I only have one regret about this show, and I, I, it just occurred to me, I sure wish we would have had your husband on with you. Mm. Oh, he would have loved it. Maybe <laughs> we can get him on next time. Definitely. Absolutely. Give him our love, and uh, I think you guys are absolutely amazing, and uh, I love the fact that you've moved through this together, and it's, it's just an amazing story. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, Tanika, and thank you so much for building awareness about miscarriage and stillbirths because they are very significant losses in our lives. Yes, indeed. Well, Heidi, uh, great show, and boy, that uh, song broke my heart. I know. I am it was powerful. Lovely and powerful, and, and I love her energy and mm -hmm. her happiness and her zeal about life and that she and her husband have moved together through this. I think that's just great because I think we – Men almost become like, you know, you always say that siblings don't get the attention they should after grief and loss. And I think sometimes men uh, in miscarriage situations oh, I don't agree. either. They're totally invisible in all this. Yeah. People don't realize that they're impacted as well. Absolutely. 
Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to our show today, and we hope that you'll tell your friends and, and family about it, and uh, they'll be inspired by these stories of the wonderful people who have gone on, had loss and gone on to do fantastic things. And as Heidi and I always want to remind you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.